But if you'll amen me, I won't repeat myself so much. And we can get out of here a lot sooner. That a fair deal? Praise the Lord. Amen, amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with us to the book of John, chapter 20. It is interesting that I got a little ring up here. You may have to make sure all these microphones are off. It's interesting that the drama team would would choose the subject matter on which they did because this tags right into it, and I really did not know what they had in store. I pretty much uh, left that to Sister Carriana. Didn't she do a good job? Didn't all of them do good? Amen. We appreciate them. John chapter 20 and verse 1. The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early. When it was yet dark unto the sepulcher, and seeth the stone taketh away from the sepulcher. Then she runneth out and cometh to Simon Peter and to the other disciples whom Jesus loved. We know that is John. And saith unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher, and we know not where they've laid him. Verse 11, But Mary stood without at the sepulcher weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher. And seeth two angels in white sitting, one on the head and one at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And they said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? And she said unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back. In other words, she turned around. Something very important had to occur to cause her attention to turn from two angels. Now, if I were staring at two angelic creatures, it would take a lot to turn me away. The Bible says she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou have borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus saith unto her, Mary, She turned herself and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. 
I want to bring a message today that the Lord has impressed me to speak on. And it is one that is a little different than maybe you've heard for an Easter message. But I believe that the Lord has his hand in what is going on today. You may have thought that you chose to came, but yet Jesus knew that you were coming. He knew whether you would make it or not. And so therefore he prepared this message for you today. I'm going to speak on this subject today with the help of the Lord. It's time to take a second look. It's time to take a second look. Shall we pray? Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for your word that's forever settled in heaven. My God, I ask in the name that's above every name that you would do the work in the remainder of this service. Lord, in your precious name, we ask, Lord God, that you would move, Lord God, in this assembly. Give us, Lord, the words that you would have for us to say. Help us, Lord, to receive what you would have, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing in honor the Word of God. We find John's accounting of the resurrection. You'll find that all of the Gospels have something to say. And also you'll find that it appears to be confusing when you look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John pertaining to this particular day. You have to watch very closely as these separate writers began to plan the words of the accounting of what occurred. Pay special attention to words like early and late because they're important in this storytelling. You'll find that Luke tells us that there were women that purchased spices and ointment on Friday at the, before the end of the day. You'll find this in Luke's accounting of this same story. But yet there were others, including Mary Magdalene, who did so at the end of the Sabbath after the sixth hour on Saturday. Mark also includes this interesting story. But then we find, according to John, and this is where we are right now, that Mary left the others and went to the tomb at night before the morning of Sunday. The Bible says, The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, while it was yet dark. So somewhere in the middle of the night, just before sunlight, Jesus is there, or she goes looking for Jesus in the tombs. And I don't know about you, but that's probably not my favorite time to go visit somebody at the grave. Say, so are you spooky? No, just it ain't my favorite time. But yet we find where that Mary, she makes her way down to this tomb. 
and she gets to the sepulcher, but yet she does not go into the sepulcher. She sees that the sepulcher seal has been broken. For they had placed a great stone there on that sepulcher and placed a seal about it so that there would not be any word as to theft pertaining to the corpse of Jesus. And also the soldiers later were bribed to tell the story a little differently than what had occurred. But nonetheless, we find where that Mary goes down to the tomb the first time. She goes more than once. In fact, it is borne out in Scripture, she goes a total of three times down to the tomb that day. But this particular first time she gets down there, she gets to the tomb and, and uh, she discovers there's a horrible, horrible truth that now something has occurred and there is a stone that's been rolled away and it's in the middle of the night and this is not any good signs. So the Bible says she runs. Back to Simon Peter and to John to tell them exactly what was going on. Simon and Peter and, and uh, John, they run ahead and they look and they see what has happened. And Simon's having a little bit of problem with his faith. But yet John, the Bible says, really did believe that something supernatural had occurred at this empty tomb. But yet we find that the story continues with John, that Peter, after he goes, and after John goes, and they see all of the things, the napkin that was about his head, that was not lying with linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. We find where that Mary goes back. The first time it was a disappointment. The first time it was fear. The first time was frustration. The first time was confusion. She didn't really know what was going on for this was the Messiah that she had followed. This was the one that she believed was the one that was to take away the sins of the world. This was the woman that God had cast demons out of her body and had delivered her from certain sin. But yet this day, this woman that had so much that she owed to the Lord goes down to look one more time at the dead body or at least the sealed sepulcher. And much to her dismay, much to her confusion, much to her frustration, much to her disappointment, she finds Jesus is not there. But the second time she gets down there. Verse 11 says, Mary stood without at the sepulcher weeping. Same, same chapter. She's already gone and told Peter and John and then sometime after they came, she returns. She's crying. 
She's weeping. But this time, the Bible says she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher. She decided, I'm going to take a second look. <laughs> I've got to look one more time. And she looks down. And there are the angels of the Lord, one on one end and one on the other end. And you know something? Her grief was so great. Brother Justin, her grief was so great that two angels did not even phase her. Now, I don't know about the rest of you, but I'm liable to have had a nervous breakdown if I'd have walked in there and saw two angels standing there. I don't know. You probably would have seen the back of my bald head running up out of there. But yet there was such grief about this woman that at first apparently it did not dawn on her that there were two angelic beings. And one of them spoke up and said, Woman, why are you weeping? She said, Because they've taken away my Lord and I don't know where they took him. And when she had thus said, she turned away. And there's a man that is vaguely familiar, but yet she can't place him. You ever run across people like that? It's kind of like deja vu. You, you, you think, ah, I have seen them somewhere. I just can't put my finger on who they are, what their name is, or where they're from. As a boy, my my dad was an evangelist, and we traveled a great deal all over the south, uh, southeast United States. And every two or three weeks, we were at a different place. This was back in the 70s. Uh, and uh, after a while, you know, you, you, you go to, say, a major meeting where all everybody gathers together at a camp meeting or something, and people come up to you and shake your hand and say, oh, it's so good to see you, and call you by name. And you have this deer in the headlights look. Like, ah, yeah, you look vaguely familiar. If you can help me tell me where you're from, then I might can put something with it. I, I, I might can, but I'm sorry. I, I just, I remember one time I was at a camp meeting and a preacher come up to me. And I mean, he was all smiles. Oh, Brother Motes, it's so good to see you. And I looked at that man and I thought, Oh, he knows me, but I'm afraid I don't know him. And for a while, I went through the motions, and I know y'all ain't never done this. That's probably just me, but I went through the motions like I knew him. Oh, it's so good to see you. So good to see you. How you been? How things? And I'm trying to, I'm fishing for little clues, you know. It kind of tell me a little. He'll just tell me enough, and I can, you know, I can say, oh, yeah, now I know who it is. But we went along the conversation, and then finally I just thought, you know, I've done all this I can do. And I said, brother, you're going to have to forgive me, but I can't remember you. You're going to have to tell me who you are. And I'll never forget to look on that man's face. It hurt him so bad that I did not remember him come to find out he was the man that had taken the church after I had left in Louisiana years and years ago and I had completely 
misplaced him. Here we find Mary, she sees these angels and then she turns about and there's a man. I'm not sure just exactly who he is. I'm not really sure. And Jesus said unto her, woman, why are you weeping? Who are you looking for? And John puts it this way, supposing she's supposing he was a gardener. Apparently this information was given to John. And he penned the words, she's supposing him to be a gardener. Mary must have said, that's what I thought. He was some kind of a gardener or something. I, I just really couldn't put all the pieces together. I, I, I said, well, sir, if you've borne him hence, if you've taken him somewhere, if you'll just let me know where they've laid him, then I'll take him away. But then Jesus called her by name. You see, when Jesus calls you by name, things begin to change. It's one thing for him to call me my child and my son and all of that, but I'm going to tell you something. When he calls me by name, <laughs> it makes it more personal. I, I, <laughs> and the Lord turned to Mary and he said, Mary. And suddenly the realization dawned on her as to who that she was speaking to. At first she was talking to an unknown man about a corpse that she was coming to take away and to dress and to mourn over. That's what was on her mind. But now when Jesus spoke her name, suddenly everything changed and turned on its heels and everything was different. And now she was looking at what she thought was a corpse. Hey, she was looking at a live Savior that she came thinking was already dead. It's time to take a second look. I'm talking to somebody today that you've become disenchanted with Christianity. I had no idea who was coming, so don't think I picked on you personally. I'm not picking on anybody today. But if the shoe fits, slip it on. Hallelujah. But there have been many our culture is taking a change and a turn. Whereas at one time we were known as a Christian nation, that is no more. President Barack Obama made the proclamation several years ago that we are no longer a Christian nation. Many were angered and frustrated, but quite honestly, he may have been closer to the truth than you realize. And I'm not exactly a fan of Barack Obama. Don't think that either. But we're seeing a shift. 
And I believe that it's in accordance to the Word of God. That the love of many, their hearts will wax cold. You ever taken a candle and blown it out and watched that wax as it's hot at first from the flame? But then when the flame is extinguished, suddenly that wax will begin to formulate back to what it once was, and then it hardens. The love of many, their hearts will wax cold. They will begin to walk away, saying, where is the promise of his coming? All this time we've been waiting for Jesus to return, and yet still all of the all of the fathers are now asleep. All of the all of those out of the New Testament, they're all long been dead for centuries now. And and uh, you know, I just don't see how that it can be. I'm telling you something right now in the name of the Lord. You need to take a second look. I said you need to take a second look. I believe that we are now at the end of time. I don't know how much time we have. If, if I told you how much time we have, you could go ahead and say that preacher's a liar because no man knows the hour that the Son of Man will come. Nobody knows. But we can look at the signs and we can see that things are beginning to wrap up. Things are beginning to happen like I've never seen before. I'm beginning to watch my nation crumble. I'm watching things begin to occur at an alarming rate and I thank my God what in the world's going to happen I'll tell you what's going to happen the Lord will return he will keep his word he will come back it's still real it's as real as it's always been and it's time to take a second look you may have become disenchanted with Christianity but I challenge you in the name of the Lord to become like Mary and go and look again. Take a second look. Look again. Things were happening at such an unprecedented rate at this, this particular time period. We find where that after that this occurs that Jesus, he says, Mary, and Mary says, Rabboni, Master. At this point, he says, don't touch me right now, for I must ascend to my Father, but go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend to my Father and your Father and to my God and your God. So we find where that Mary goes and she tells what she saw. In the meantime, we find where that Luke, Mark both bear out that other myrrh bearers, they came out to the tomb to encounter the angels as well. They also saw angelic beings and those angels also spoke to them, but they ran out for fear. They didn't hang around like Mary Magdalene. She stood around and chatted with them, but not these other people. They ran for fear. And for fear, they did not repeat what they saw like Mary Magdalene. And then we find where that Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, Mary the mother of James, 
go back a third time. This time they already know about the resurrection, obviously. And they go to look at the tomb at the Lord's burial bandages, which Peter and John had seen, but Mary Magdalene herself personally had not seen. Coming to the tomb, this time both Mary's enter and the angels advised them to go and tell what they saw. This time they instruct them to confirm the news of the resurrection and the disciples announcing the coming of the Christ ascension. And on their way out, we find where that they come according to Matthew across Jesus one more time. And he says unto them, all hail. And this time they're able to touch him and they reach down and worship him at his feet. I'm not going to keep you long today. But in my heart of hearts, I know I'm talking to somebody today. I think I'm talking to more than one person. You need to take a second look. Don't just assume by what you've heard that there's nothing to all of this. But you need to take a second look. Dig into it a little deeper. God doesn't talk to me. It's hard for God to talk to you when you don't get in his word. When's the last time that you've opened the book and read several chapters a day saying, God, speak to me, speak to me. For you see, this is how God speaks to you. He generally will speak to you in one of two ways. He'll speak to you through his word or he'll speak to you through his man. And if you can't hear God, then maybe it's because either you don't want to hear God or you've chosen not to listen to his word. Take a second look. Look one more time. Don't, don't discount it just yet. Oh, you've got to experience it for yourself. Say, well, preacher, you've probably been, yes, I have. I've been raised in this since I was all of my life, and I've had the Holy Ghost since I was nine. You can do the math. I'm 56. This should be 57. But there came a day, and I won't be much longer. Please listen to what I have to say. There came a day I was grown and I was married. Brother Adam, I had to find Jesus for me. I couldn't take anybody else's word for it. And it's nice that they lead you and guide you in the manner, the way you should go. Bible says train up a child in the way it should go. It doesn't just say raise. A lot of folks raise children but don't, don't train them. Hello? I said some folks just raise children. They don't train them. But train up a child in the way it should go. If it gets, when it gets old, it won't depart from it. What does that mean? It'll always be right here. It'll always be right here. Oh, my God. But there come a time as a, a young 20-something, that I had to find out for myself 
just exactly about all of this stuff. I had to prove it to myself. I couldn't take anybody's word for it. And I thought, Lord, if this is really you, then I've got to know. And God revealed himself to me. I said he revealed himself to me. Since that time, I've been privileged to see angelic visitations. I've seen demonic visitations. I've cast demon spirits out of people. I have seen the spiritual side that not many people see. And it's not that I'm super good or super spiritual. No, that's not it. It's because I proved it to myself. I proved. I took a second look. I I said, I got to know for myself. I I can't take anybody's word for this. I got to know it for myself. I got to make my calling and election sure. I got to make it right because I'm only going to live one time. Hey, there's no do-overs. You're going to live one time. Oh, yes, there's going to come a time when everybody is going to die. It's appointed unto a man once to die. And after that is the judgment. Somebody said, well, I don't believe that. Well, just because you don't believe it does not shut the door and put out the fire just like Billy Sunday used to say. Your lack of faith will not change God's word, not one iota. Your lack of desire will not change God. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't vary. People change. If you got your eyes on people, you got them in the wrong place. You got to get your eyes on the Lord. And the only way to get your eyes on the Lord is to get into his book and say, God, give me wisdom and show me what you want me to know. I want to find you. I want to find you and I want to hear what you have to say. Hey, I'm going to tell you something. The Lord is moving in the house right now. Some of you may feel the presence of God. Don't ignore that. Don't ignore that. But say, I, I want to look just one more time. I know that in the past I've looked and, I, and I've become this Discouraged, but I encourage you today. You, this may be the only witness you'll ever have that you look just one more time. Go ahead and take a second look. Mary Magdalene, she had been delivered of many demon spirits. Jesus had cast out spirits from her body, and no telling what this woman had lived. It is implied that she lived a very wicked life. But something drove her alone in the middle of the night to a tomb because she had great love for her fallen master. She had watched him die and all the suffering. And so now... She just wanted to be near what was. Just to be near what was. And so she makes her way in the darkness. Not a good time to go to the tombs. But her fears allayed for her desire to be near her master. So she comes 
making her way through the tombs until she comes to the one that they said it's the one that Joseph of Arimathea has. That's the one. It's the borrowed tomb. And there. She turns the corner and there. There's the tomb, but something's not right. Her experience the first time. Sister Bev was disappointment, confusion, and frustration. I have seen people come to church and church people mistreat those visitors. I have seen people come to church and become a part of that church and they become mistreated and they go through horrible things. Yes, I've seen that. I've seen that. I too have been a victim of church trouble before. I know exactly how it feels. But to say, I'm turning my back on God and I'll not go back because of my disappointment. When you stand before the Lord, there's going to be a woman that Jesus calls and says, Mary, would you come here? Would you give witness? Yes, Lord. I went the first time. I was disappointed. But I let, didn't let it stop me. I went and I took a second look. I went to be for sure because the first time was disappointing. I'm talking to somebody today and I, I realize that, that it's an Easter Sunday morning and I realize that minds are already, you're already behind the service and your mind has already wandered in the afternoon as to what you're going to do. But please give me just another five minutes. Maybe you've experienced one time Christianity and there was disappointment for whatever reason. Don't give up. Don't give up. We're living in perilous times. The great falling away, people are leaving Christianity left and right. Does it mean Christianity has failed? No, it means their perception of Christianity has failed. Their perception has. Oh, I want you to know God is as real as he's ever been. He's not changed, not one little bit. People change and people will fail you, but the Lord Jesus Christ, he will never fail you. He said, Lord, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world, even to the end of your understanding and to the end of your world. He said, I'll be there. The Lord has made the promise. I have seen him move. I've seen him do miraculous things. I could talk for hours about what God has done, the things that is unmistakable, that it is a divine power. Yes, I have questions. Yes, I some things I don't understand. Yes, I, I don't understand a lot of things, but one thing is for sure. I believe that the Lord is still on the throne and he still rules and reigns. Don't give up on God. Take a second look. So Mary goes... She tells the two friends of hers that are the most powerful preachers in Pentecost. 
Peter and John. The inner circle. You know, it was Peter, James, and John that were the inner circle. And, and now she goes and tells two or three of those, two out of three. You're not going to believe, Peter, what I saw. What did you see, Mary? The sepulcher, the seal's broken. Something's wrong. You need to go look, Perry, Peter. Don't know what's going on, John. John, it looks bad. The sepulcher, the seal that they put on that thing has been broken and the stones rolled away. They've taken his body and I'm not sure where they took it to. So Peter runs ahead. Looks and it's beyond belief. He said he'd rise again the third day, but this is ridiculous. Everybody dies. It's kind of rare to see anybody come back. So he must still be dead. Something's bound to have happened. But now John gets there. John says it really did happen. John believed. Why did John believe? Because he was the disciple whom Jesus loved. It means he had a close relationship with Jesus. Why do I have trouble with my faith? Maybe it's because you're not like John. Your relationship is not close. But Mary, wringing her hands, said, I've got to go back to that tomb. That's the last connection I have with the only man that loved me. That's the last connection that I have to the only man that cared for me and delivered me of demonic spirits. I got to go back. Yeah, it's empty. It don't matter. That's the last place I knew he was. I'm going back. And this time she gets back. And she finds angels. Woman, what are you looking for? Who are you looking for? They've taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they've taken him. Sir? If you can just tell me where they took him, then I'll go get him and I'll dress those wounds and prepare him with myrrh and all these things. You'll just tell me. But then her world changed, just like I hope it changes for you, my friend. When Jesus calls her by name, <laughs> I pray that the Lord in your consciousness will call you by name and you cannot deny that it was God. Mary, oh Rabboni, Master, what drove her to go the second time? 
her great love for God. In spite of her disappointment, she knew she still had to make a connection. And today, maybe you come out of to honor somebody else in the family to come to church today. Whatever reason you came is not important to me. But what is important is that you came and the Lord is calling your name. He's saying, take a second look. Look at it one more time. Look at it one more time. Would you stand with me today?